Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Awakening Consciousness with Asher and Jesse. Got a great show for you today. We are back on our main channel. So after being in YouTube detention for two weeks, after our second strike, so we, we have to watch our tongues today, Jesse. Um, we can't say anything this, was too this the third? Was this the third time we've been kicked off our main channel since we started this show like six months ago? <laughs> I think I think it's been more than this, but like, uh, well, we we've had multiple multiple times where we've had to uh, go to the backup channel. So, and that and that's um, this with, is our with, and that's with us keeping it in mind on YouTube, right? And that's and that's right. with you know your with your team pulling down videos after the fact and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Hang on for a second. So yeah, I'll uh, run through this. Oh, you off? Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, this is, I think it's our second or third time with two strikes. So we got to really be careful this time. Uh, we don't want the YouTube sensors coming down on us. But um, thought yeah, police. so today we're, yeah, the thought police, exactly. The, the, the Ministry of Truth. The Ministry of the Truth, ministry. baby. Yeah. So they had today a, we're going to be they, talking. They had a, uh, they had, I don't know if they still have it or not, but years ago I was in this building in Loja in the city near where I live and I walk I'm walking through this building trying to find the office I'm going to and I come across a, a government office and the translation was like the ministry of control of the power of the market that was literally the government agency <laughs> and I just I, <laughs> if that's not an Orwellian title, I don't know what it is. I was like, I mean, I, I like, I like stopped and my jaw dropped and I took a picture and then I laughed and walked away. But it was, I mean, just what an amazing representation of this, you know, just communist Orwellian world that they're trying to implement. I think, I think there's like a, there's like a, a, a street in, in, in England where it's the home of George Orwell and there's all kinds of cameras and, and, uh, and <laughs> right. sensors and, and tracking and monitoring things like right in front of his house. And it's like, if that's not a perfect metaphor for what the entire thing was all about, I don't know what is. No, I mean, um, when, when they went to like the total information awareness stuff uh, some years back and then when England uh, implemented, you know, all the CCTV cameras like everywhere so they could track everything, yeah, I mean, I remember thinking at that time, like, wow, this is the Orwellian, you know, nightmare yeah. that he that he, you know, predicted. Yeah, and it, it's gone into overdrive at this point. Yeah, I mean, this was that was yeah. ten years ago, or, or you know, or more that I'm talking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. So um, today we're going to be talking about ha uh, detaching from the show, and so uh, today the big story is the. Uh, uh, the uh, trial for Kyle Rittenhouse is uh, they concluded their closing arguments. I think that's what it's called uh, yesterday evening. And the jury is going into deliberation today. And um, so we're going to be talking about detaching from the show, because I think what a lot of people are doing is uh, taking a side and investing emotionally into the outcome of 
whatever it is, whether you're on the side of, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is a, a big racist, you know, whatever, whatever they're calling over there. And he, you know, was doing all this thing. That side is invested into one narrative and one set of facts and, um, or what they believe to be facts. And uh, they are going to be either happy or very upset and angry, depending on what the result is. And then there's another side who uh, believes that Kyle Rittenhouse is a, uh, what do they think? He's, you know, he, he righteous in his, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, standing up and trying to protect his community and- uh, Yeah, defensive uh, property. Defensive property, self-defense, all that stuff. And so they are also invested emotionally into the outcome of what happens. You know, they're going to be very happy if, if and when he's acquitted, and they will be very upset and think that a, a grave injustice has been done uh, if he's uh, found guilty. And so they're setting it up. Uh, this is yet another one of the, the divide and conquer, uh, you know, agenda or, or things. You know, the, the famous quote from Rahm Emanuel is never let a good crisis go to waste. And um, regardless of what happens and regardless, well, so state, take a step back for a second. First of all, we don't know whether or not this is real. You know, so I, I've seen some things or heard some things that he gave an interview to CNN before any of this stuff happened. And then the odds of him, you know, being someone who's interviewed on CNN, sort of seeking out fame. Um, I think there was some inst uh, some social media handle that he was going on, like he he was, you know, sort of seeking out fame and recognition. And, you know, that's the type of person that would go there you know, and, and take matters into his own hands, so to speak. So it could be that he's just being used and this was an entire setup and, and the videos that were uh, taken, you know, it, it could be that it's entire, entirely fake event. That's what, you know, on, on one hand. On another hand- And, and hold know, on, hold on, just, just on that real quick. I mean, you know, what are the odds, right, of him being interviewed on CNN prior to, you know, being, becoming a national figure? they're not, they're not very high. Uh, you know, what are the odds of, of, um, you know, every, practically every terrorist, you know, uh, event that ever takes place, having been in touch with the FBI, you know, prior to the event, what are the odds that, that the same innocent bystanders would be at multiple, uh, multiple terrorist events, right? You know, you have, you, it, which has come out uh, over and over again. So you have to be quite, a conspiracy, excuse me, quite a coincidence theorist to, to, you know, to allow yourself to just constantly, um, you know, constantly um, excuse away these, these, these coincidences that statistically are, you know, essentially impossible. Right. Yeah. So, so for, whoops, sorry. I don't know what's happening with my camera, but yet another reason why you should never get emotionally invested in any of these events. They could just be completely fake. Um, and, and maybe they're real. Uh, let's, uh, sorry. 
I don't know what's going on with my camera. So maybe, maybe they're real. Um, and if they are still don't get emotionally involved in the, in the event, but let's just take, let's just, uh, let's just assume that it's real for a second. Um, and you have, you know, you have one side, literally it's the two movies on the same screen. We're watching the same sort of general events, but one side only sees one set of facts. The other side only sees the other set of facts and, and the two, you know, arguments or, or counter narratives are, are never going to co come together. You know, yes, on, on the side that, that, uh, sees him more as like a freedom fighter or as righteous in what he did, they will, have more access to the other side uh, because it's almost impossible to not uh, see what the other side is saying about him. Uh, but the other side, the side that thinks that he's some sort of racist, uh, you know, and he was out hunting people, uh, they are they are never going to see the other side. I mean, it, the, the clips of the people saying, you know, well, uh, he only shot at me after I uh, after I pointed my gun at him. Um, they're they're literally not going to see that clip ever, and um, even if they do, they're going to explain it away in some you know some irrational manner, and it's not going to matter to them anyways. I mean, it, it, we're to the point where facts don't matter, and so it's it's very important to not get emotionally involved in the show in the outcome of of this because we know regardless of what happens in the trial or regardless of the outcome of the trial they're going to use this to further an agenda and what's the agenda the agenda is to divide and conquer the agenda might be about uh uh putting in more gun gun control laws the agenda might be about you know uh 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 saying that <laughs> that he's a, a racist because he was at a black lives matter uh protest and you know even though he sh i think he only shot white people um he's still a racist because of reasons and so uh it's important to not get invest emotionally invested in the outcome of this because they're using it as a a suck of energy they want your energy focused on the event they want you paying attention and, and really getting worked up over this and dividing people along these lines. And it's yet another way that they're going to divide people because that's what they do. They're, um, they want us divided so that we can't see who the real uh, evil is, the real people behind the scenes, the real people pulling the levers and the strings. And so, you know, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would even, you know, I would even add on to that. Like, let's just say, right. That you, are wanting Kyle Rittenhouse to be acquitted because that will give you some indication that the system still works, that there's some integrity in the system, that, you know, the Constitution and the rule of law and these sorts of things are valid and intact. And I would also, you know, I would, I would sort of question, is that even a desirable goal? Um, because even though, yeah, that would be nice, right? Like if we sort of had our country back type of thing, right? That sort of idea, um, that would be nice. At the same time, it would um, lend credibility to the matrix. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not, you know, if, if, if let's say, let's say they're setting this up and I have no idea, as you know, you outlined a number of scenarios, they're all reasonable. Um, I have no idea what they're setting up here, but let's say, let's say just for fun, they're setting up that, 
he's going to get convicted, even though based on the law, that would n- never happen, right? I mean, we had these dramatic events in the courtroom that you outlined, I think, on Friday, um, you know, where, where and you mentioned again today, you know, where they've admitted that the people who he shot have admitted it was self-defense by him, right? That, so, so there, there isn't a, you know, there isn't a legal case to be made under normal circumstances. I think at that point, once they admitted that, I think, you know, probably do motion to dismiss and that's the end of it type of thing. Um, so if they are setting up a conviction, even though they've told this narrative to the people believing that narrative, right? Absolutely. It's a split narrative. There's two, 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 mo- two movies, same screen, as you mentioned. But for those who are on that side of the narrative, if they convict him, um, that will be quite a, you know, quite a blow to the rule of law thing. And if they, if they acquit him, then, then we, yeah, then we have probably riots on our hands. So, um, so, you know, that, that's what's set up. And so that, yeah, the detachment, it becomes extremely important at that point, which is, you know, the point you're making. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's the same thing with the George Floyd case. And I can't remember what the, uh, uh, the guy who was on his neck was, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, Derek something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, it was Derek. And um, yeah, but you know, in, in that case, I saw a lot of people get emotionally wrapped up and uh, invested in the outcome of it. And yeah. I think he was found guilty. Um, yes. You know, and there, you know, there, there's, you know, uh, intimidating the jury and all that stuff. I think there was some people who was who were trying to get the identities of the jurors on this uh, in the Rittenhouse trial uh, leaked, and so it's like you know, th- there's so much there's so much uh, involved here, and I think the key takeaway is never get emotionally emotionally attached to any of these events. Uh, take a step back and see 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 the event for what it is and recognize that real or not the cabal or whoever you want to call them is going to use it to further their narrative and so um you know let, let's say that let's pretend it's a real event they're going to wait for the outcome and then they're going to stoke the the uh the uh, anger and animosity for the side that's going to feel uh angry and and um have animosity towards the other side or towards Rittenhouse or towards whoever is involved. And so it's just, it's just, uh, you know, hopefully we can help people see the bigger picture um, as people who have gone through this sort of waking up period and and seeing the matrix and the, and the mainstream for what it is. And um, knowing that we shouldn't get emotionally attached to this because that's only going to suck our energy into, into what they want. And they want this, you know, and maybe it's as simple as using it as a distraction for what for what they're really pulling off behind the scenes. And so, you know, there, there's multiple ways that they can use events like this. And we need to be able to just take a step back and, um, you know, see the bigger picture. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just to add to what the the credence of what you're saying, you know, the United States is a country of about 400 million people. So you, you have to understand the. Um, you have to put in context the amount of violent crime that takes place on a daily basis when you're dealing with 400 million people. So the national media has to sift through 
an enormous amount of violent stories on a daily basis to decide what they're going to turn into a headline. How many times have you seen uh, a news story where, you know, I'm thinking way back in the day, right, when the news was like a thing that people watched, <laughs> uh, you know, how many times have you seen a news story where it goes something like this? A local man was shot today, gunned down by police outside a, a, a outside a, uh, a liquor store. He robbed the manager. The police showed up on the scene. He pulled his gun. He was six shots were fired and the man died on the way to the hospital. End of story. Like that's the that's the ex extent of the of the coverage to give you a little a little blurb that this thing happened, this event in your city or whatever. Right. Some guy got a guy got shot. Um, this happens in every city every day, you know, basically. Right. So so. Um, so you have this enormous amount of, of violent stories that could be national stories and aren't. And so why do they pick certain stories that get get talked about on, along, um, along every amongst every platform? Right. It's not like it's not like CNN is covering the story and Fox isn't. It's not like MSNBC is covering it. And, you know, Fox isn't. It's not like the Stu Peters show, you know, isn't covering it. Everybody's covering it. It's being covered, you know, across the board on these stories that get decided to be covered across the board. And what do they all have in common? They have either, generally speaking, they have a racial component, right? They have something that they can, that they can use in the story uh, that's going to get the two sides, so to speak, fired up. And so, um, and so it just adds to the, adds to the understanding that when you see these stories that are being made national headlines, there's a reason they chose that and not the white guy who got shot or the, you know, or the white on white or the black on black. How many, you know, black on black crime, right? As, they, as, as we've heard that ridiculous term, you know, a million times over the years is a huge problem, right? Those are not national headline stories. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, there's kids that take stray bullets all the time. This is, I mean, talk of that's a that's a legitimate tragedy, right? Like, you know, a, a five-year-old girl gets killed in a drive-by or something. I mean, gosh, if that's not a, a, a story that the whole country could get, you know, could get wrapped up in, you know, I don't know what is. That story gets a blur. You know, a five-year-old girl died by a stray bullet. Done. That's the end of the story, right? So, um, so there's a reason that the you know the, what the stories that make the national headlines. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it goes, but it, it goes to number one, the agenda and number two, it, the, the business model of the news media, you know, the, the news media makes their money by, by clicks and the amount of eyeballs that they attract to their, you know, to whatever they're putting out there. And so if it's a, you know, Hey, Chicago, we didn't have any shootings last night. What a, what a great night for us, you know? Well, maybe that would be a, a news item for Chicago, but, um, but it, it's not exciting. It doesn't make anyone click. And so it, you're right. Like it, it has to have this sort of lightning rod of uh, you know, there's going to be a side and, and this side and that side and, and you know, the left or the right or black and white or male or female. And it's always, it's always when you can get the most people split on either side, that's when you'll get the most clicks and eyeballs, therefore the most revenue uh, from your advertisers. And so it's, you know, so anytime that there's a story like this, take a step back and think about the bigger picture. Like, why is this, why is this something that has been elevated to national headlines? You know, um, what purpose is it serving? Who's behind it? What are the what are the reasons uh, 
you know, that they pick this story as opposed to a different story. And it's like, you know, once you sort of see that and, and, and can see the news for, for that, it becomes a very different, um, a very different landscape and you, and you can and really just see, see through the lies and the bullshit and the, um, and the noise, because does this have an impact on our day-to-day lives? No, um, not at all. They're, they're not going to be able to pass more, more gun, more gun control laws, I don't think. And they're not going to be able to, um, you know, and if it's one guy who was, you know, seeking fame and out there and, and he gets, you know, sort of sacrificed to the beast, you know, okay, that sucks. But, um, you know, it's just a, an indication of the fall of the, of the system and the, and the, and the loss of credibility of the system. And so in a way it's almost a good thing, you know, not that I want, uh, you know, some, a person who at least from what it appears on video, you know, to be a self-defense thing, if, if in fact it was a real event. Um, but still like, you know, it'd be, it'd be bad if, if an innocent per- person got uh, put in prison. But I think um, we really do have to pay attention to the big picture and focus on that uh, when it comes to our emotional attachment to any of these things. Yeah. It's, um, it's such a catch 22 that team dark is in, right? Because, they have to collapse the system in order in order for that for, in order for people to be psychologically prepared for the very dark system that follows so they have to collapse the system to get there and yet the collapse of the system means that they lose also so it's a really mm. interesting catch 22 that they're in because i mean i mean let's say that that's the goal right let's say that the goal is to convict Kyle Rittenhouse to put into the, to create violence potentially, but to put into the consciousness of humans, but especially Americans, that the you no longer have the backing of the law. You no longer have the backing of morality. You, we're now subject to mob rule. So, like if if the political winds are such that if a white guy you know does something that can be portrayed as racially motivated he's going to prison, even if it has, you know, even if that's obviously someone doing something racially motivated is not a convictable crime. Right. So, uh, so, so, but if you can put someone in prison just because you call them racist and people get very upset and say he's racist and you can put someone in prison based on that, uh, that scenario, then you've really gone a long way to destroying the pillar of, of, um, or the belief, right. In the pillar of, of America, of democracy, of the rule of law, of the constitution, all these things. Um, so, you know, they may be, that may be the tactic they're going, I don't know, but even if that's the tactic they're going, it's still a really tough situation for them because the more they collapse that, the more we take on our responsibility ourselves and say, Hey, why are we allowing this corrupt system to govern our lives? You know, let's govern our own lives. Um, I remember seeing a, a story, uh, probably two years ago or something, um, you know, where this white guy, it was, it was tragic. I mean, it was a very sad video to watch, hard to watch. Um, this, this clearly drunk, I mean, the guy was inebriated, uh, white guy who's, who's, you know, he's, he's fat, his belly's hanging over his shorts. He's, he's got on a a t-shirt that's 
you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's got a t-shirt and a pair of shorts. He clearly isn't hiding a weapon. You know, he's not, he's not a danger in any way, shape or form. The police have him in the hallway of a hotel, of a hotel. And, and they're screaming instructions at him and he's really drunk. And the way that they're screaming the instructions, they're very hard to follow. Um, like I would have had a hard time. So the guy, the cop is standing there with a gun drawn aimed at the guy and he's screaming sort of contradictive instructions. So he's like, get on your knees. And the guy gets on his knees and then he's like, and then he's like, lay down. And the guy like tries to lay down, but he doesn't do it right. And then the cop yells something else and the guy's confused and he doesn't know if he's supposed to put his hands up or down. And he's telling him to lay down, but then he's, but then he's telling him to put his hands in front of him, and he's having a hard time, like figuring out how to do it. And he's just, you can see that the poor guy is just emotionally, he's drunk. He's having a hard time following what's even happening. He's terrified. He's has a gun pointed at his head. He's trying to follow the instructions. The cop at some point screams at him. Like he keeps lowering his hands, but you can see that it's not intentional. Like he's just, his hands are just like coming down. He's just having a hard time. Like he just can't follow the instructions <laughs> and the cop, the cops blow him away. I mean, the guy yelled, says to him, he's like, he's like, if you put your hands down again, I'm going to shoot you. And the guy like puts his hands down again, not on purpose. There's no danger. He has no weapon. I mean, nothing like the cop literally could have just walked over to him and put handcuffs on and he blows him away and he kills this guy like six shots or something. I mean, he murders him dead. I don't think this story ever got a national headline at all. And I'm not even saying that it should have. I'm not making any comment on that. I'm simply pointing out the difference. I mean, if that guy had been, the cop was white. If that guy had been black, I mean, we would have had, we'd be riding still. Like, you know, there would be, I mean, this was, this was an unjustified shooting for real. This was an unarmed guy in trying to cooperate, drunk, having a hard time following very confusing instructions who is then cold blood point blank murdered nothing no national headline zero why it doesn't serve any agenda what agenda are you going to serve gun control guy wasn't armed racial division they're both white you know on and on what 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 how does it fit the narrative it doesn't so what happens doesn't make any news anywhere i saw it on some alternative place just you know just looking at this thing that happened and you know so yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, there's also zoom out a little bit, even from the uh, from the Rittenhouse case. And there's I think there's an agenda against the police. You know, uh, there's no money left. There's no money for pensions. There's no money for retirements. And I think they're trying to get uh, police teachers and, and the rest of the you know government workers who are eligible for pensions to quit early. You know, I think that's one of the one of the goals that they're going for. And, you know, I think it's, it's working to a certain extent. It's reducing their, their uh, fiduciary liabilities in the future. And, you know, they've recognized that they're out of money. The system is out of money and they're broke. And so we can't afford to pay for pensions and retirements anymore. And so, you know, what better way than to make life as a cop be completely awful? And it goes into what they're uh, trying to do for the system anyways. You know, they're, they're, they want a system of, you know, sort of rather than uh, direct policing by humans, they want, uh, you know, tracking by uh, technology and they want that to be the sort of police system. And so, you know, you get rid of the cops, you reduce your financial liability, 
you make it, you, you know, right now, like who's the only person who, who are the only people who would be become a cop these days? The, the only people who would want to be a police officer is someone who actually wants to go out there and, and crack some skulls. And so it's like, you're setting up a, an incentive system to only get those types of police officers in there, which exacerbates the problem, which, you know, in, in my opinion, is what they're uh, setting up and going for in the first place anyways, is to reduce the amount of police uh, by installing their tracking systems, you know, tracking through, uh, you know, variety of technologies that we've covered a little bit on this show, um, you know, injectable technologies and, uh, you know, video surveillance and, and biometric surveillance and, and the rest of it. And so, um, that doesn't seem like a fun world to be a part of. Yeah, no, that's right. I, I agree. I agree with all those points profoundly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like everything else we talk about, right. It's, um, you know, part of, I guess, part of sovereignty is also, being sovereign as to where you put your attention. Right. So, you know, partly we're talking about that. And so, yeah, your attention should be on your goals and your life and your community and your family and your, you know, your circle of influence um, and not, not on the movie screen. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think, I mean, we, we might cover, uh, you know, if, if they come out with a, a verdict, which they probably will in the in the next day or so, or maybe you know probably this week. I don't know. It'll take you know. I, I don't know, but we'll probably mention it at some point in the future. But I think for now, this is as much as I want to say about uh, the Rittenhouse thing. I do want to go over the uh, Fifth Circuit um, uh, Court of Appeals. They have. It, it looks like, so a three judge panel on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has now permanently blocked OSHA from implementing and enforcing its uh, injection rule. Um, and so I'm reading from an article in the National Law Review, which I don't know, you know, what political leanings they have, but- Yes, you, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the article, it says, well, the future of X of V rule uh, continues to uh, remain unknown, notwithstanding this latest decision. Covered employees, employers should consider continuing to take steps to come into compliance, given the short compliance window provided by OSHA, if the rule is ultimately upheld. So, yes, I guess I do know what side <laughs> uh, of the political spectrum they come on. Uh, they, in a you know, in an article that you know, or a publication that's supposedly about law, they are still at the end of their article recommending that employers uh, go through with it anyways. And so it's like, we've, we're, we're, it's like the system is crumbling uh, with this because it seems like uh, people slash the, the Biden administration slash, you know, the, the people who are supporting that want them to go through with this anyways. And uh, regardless of what the courts say, I think there are, you know, they're, they're appealing this in a variety of different, um, so challenges to the rule were, were filed in multiple federal circuit courts across the country. When there are multiple filings like these, a multi-circuit lottery system is utilized for purposes of consolidation and clarity. 
all the appeals are consolidated before the circuit court selected in the blind lottery, which will then hear the challenge to the rule. The lottery is expected to take place on Monday, November 16th. Today's Tuesday, right? So yeah. maybe uh, yeah. Tuesday, maybe that's a typo. Um, well, there's so another, yeah. there are, you're talking about the appeal of the, of the ruling of the circuit court or you're talking about yeah. the original? Okay. No, I, think, I think they're talking about the appeal of, of the fifth circuit court. Okay. So if the fifth circuit court is not selected in the a lottery, then another appeals court will have an opportunity to issue the controlling decision here, which could among other things, lift this, the fifth circuit stay after that, regardless of the outcome, the Supreme Court will likely have the final word. So that's where we are. Um, and, you know, we, as part of the show, we were trying to, you know, get people to hold out, you know, hold out, don't, don't go through with this yet. You'll have opportunities to fight this. Uh, it is being fought on your behalf in a variety of different arenas. Um, you can fight this in your own life by taking certain legal strategies, uh, to, you know, learning a little bit of natural law and, and ways of, you know, conditional acceptance and those types of things. Um, and the longer you can hold out, the, uh, the better, obviously. Um, and I, I would say that this should be your go to the mat um, uh, issue. Um, and to me, it seems like uh, they're not going to be able to go through with this regardless of what happens with this appeal. Um, there's many different options that people can take uh, outside of working for an employer that has over a hundred people and also, or a hundred employees also, um, you know, there's just many different options that you can take. And, you know, to, is, is your job really that important that you're going to have, you're going to go through these uh, medical injections just to keep a job that you probably don't even like. And then additionally, this is just the first round. They're going to continue yeah. to have second round, third round, fourth round, you know, in Israel, you have to have uh, a fourth jab in order for your green pass to remain valid. So to think that you can just do, you know, the first two jabs and, and then you're good, then you're, um, then you have your pass to go wherever you want. That's only going to be temporary. And, um, you know, it's, you're, you're signing yourself up, up for a lifetime of compliance to uh, irrational mandates that have nothing to do with health science or keeping you healthy and safe. Yeah, right. It's like, um, so if I can follow the logic here, right, um, you need the vaccine to be safe, then you need a second dose, then you need a third dose, then you need a fourth dose, but the vaccine is working. And the people who haven't had any doses should get it because it's working, even though the people who have had are complying have had four doses, and they're still in danger, and they're going to have to have more, but you should have yours because it's working. Right. What? what? Uh, it, what? Sorry, I'm sorry. How do you not follow that? How do, like, how do you, you follow? follow that? How do you not yeah. follow that? That's my. <laughs> no, <it's crazy. laughs> right. How do you not follow that exactly? 
I think you just uh, made it so that we have to take this video down afterwards. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying that it's good it's good sound logic. I mean, I'm just pointing out yeah. the, the the sound logic here. I'm not saying don't get the jab. I mean, heck, get twenty jabs if if you want. Yeah, I mean, just to be extra yeah. safe. So you know, again, though, right? The cabal's in a tough spot there. Like, how do you convince unjabbed people to get jabbed when you're telling jabbed people they need more jabs and that they're contagious and that and that, you know, they're not they're not safe if they don't keep getting jabs? How do you get the people who didn't get any jabs <laughs> to be like, oh, this is working. I am going to go do this. Right? <laughs> that's a that's a tough spot to be in. Um, the other point I wanted to make is it's like, at what level do you want to draw the line? Australia? You know, uh, George Orwell's book, like that level, you know, what, what, like, what level do you want to draw the line? Um, they can only do what we allow them to do. So in, in Australia's case and many other countries, um, Holland being another one and lots of them, lots of countries, um, they, they got people to accept that the government can, can restrict their lives in any way they want if they say that there's a scary virus. So once, once that happened, now you've got internment camps. Now you've got, you know, Gestapo going around to people's houses and checking vaccination status and making sure they didn't go too far from their home and, and, uh, you know, doing, you know, telling them they can't leave the country, right. Canada and other countries, you know, can't leave the country unless you, uh, prove your vaccine vaccination status and so on and so forth. So, um, so th those countries have allowed that next level of tyranny because they accepted the first level of tyranny. So if you, you know, so if you're someone who's like, what, you know, just going along to get along, I'll, you know, I'll just get this to keep my job and I'll do this to keep my this and I'll do that to get my that and whatever it is, you know, oh, I really want to take a vacation this year and it, it'd be easier if I had my vaccine passed, what, like what, whatever it is. Um, okay. Like you may, they may not have pushed far enough yet that you ha have been, push to the brink of of uh, rebellion but the next level is going to be much 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 worse and if you need a preview of that just look at those countries right that are further along um so at that point are you going to draw the line okay fine but it's harder you know much harder and so you know what world do you want to live in one where you stand up and throw off tyranny and, and and are free and can create your life with yourself and your family and your neighbors and your community or one you know where where you're living in fear of the next government mandate. Um, and as we predicted from, you know, on record from the beginning of this show, but in our personal lives from way, way, way before that, they were going to be rolling out multiple required jabs. Um, that was always the case. We've been completely accurate with that. And here we are on, I mean, in Ecuador where I live, they're now, and Ecuador is way behind on everything. They're now like we, you know, people were, people were doing vaccine tourism to Florida from Ecuador to get their jabs because they weren't as readily available in Ecuador. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, you know, it's part of that inequality. It's part of that, uh, you know, it's part of that. It's an underserved country and, you know, it's, it's racism, I think basically actually. Um, but no, I mean, so, so what they did here, you know, right now is they're giving senior citizens only because they're special, the third jab. Um, and so, their first booster. So, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, you know, again, what world do you want to live? Yeah. 
right? And and as we've said multiple, multiple times, the easiest day to stand up and say no is today because it's going to be harder tomorrow. It would have been much easier if when they were talking about two weeks to flatten the curve almost two years ago, if we just said, no, no, we're not going to do that. I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, you know, I guess, quote unquote, take my chances, even though we, especially listeners on this show, know that there is no virus. But, um, you know, it, it would have been much better to say, you know, no, thank you. I'm going to live, uh, I'm going to live in freedom rather than in fear. And so um, it just, it's more, much more difficult now. And so it's going to be even more difficult tomorrow. Uh, we have someone from, South Africa in the chat says here more than 70% have not complied. So that's good. Um, nice. You know, uh, it's a, it's uh, black lives matter was doing a protest um, against the mandatory jabs because in the U S at least uh, the least jab population is the black population, which uh, says uh, something about their, uh, intelligence and buying into the narrative that is trying to be uh, pulled over on people. And maybe it has something to do with the treatment that they've been subjected to in the past. Maybe it has something to do with things like the Tuskegee experiments. Um, and so rightfully so, they are uh, questioning the official narrative and the agenda. And so, um, so you know, it's... Uh, they also come out and say, oh, well, it's because they're under, it's an underserved population, like you were just saying, you know, it's racism that they haven't been jabbed as much. And maybe, maybe, they, maybe they know a, a thing or two that other people don't know. Right. And so, well, and the, and the underlying argument there, right, is that they're too stupid to know what's best for them. You know, it's it never the, the, yeah. the, the you know, the left, the left's racist hypocrisy, like never stops. You know, it's 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 like, yeah. you know, if, if we could just get black people to be smarter, you know, if we could just train them better, you know, if we could right, then they'll then they'll make good decisions, you know, and we got to help them with that. And, and by the way, I'm not racist by saying any of that. That's you know, that's uh, I have their best interests in mind because they're children. Right. I mean, the the, the, you know, the 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 logical fallacy of the of the left when it comes to quote unquote, you know, minorities or all these weird terms we put on humans is just absurd. Um, and it is racist. I mean, it is just overtly racist. Like people, you know, they're, they're, they're not smart enough to get an ID to, to vote. Like, you know, that's, that's too high a hurdle for a black person to be able to accomplish, but, but I'm not racist by saying that. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see, you'll see, you'll see actual people like, Oh, well, maybe they don't know where to get it. or Maybe they don't know how. And it's like these, you know, I said it before on this show, Malcolm X was right about the white liberals in my opinion. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, yeah. He was right about a few other things too, but um but yeah, it's just, you know, it's just crazy. So anyways, Fifth Circuit, we'll uh, sort of monitor it, see where it goes, um, and uh, keep everyone updated. But our our purpose is, is more so to sort of break down what happens and, and cut through the nonsense, because we do live in a world of narratives and uh, you know, so much of it is just, you know, contrived bullshit. Like there's this, um, I think it's the Gelman effect where 
guy. He was a physicist. He, he, on the news, they were talking about some, you know, physics thing. And he was like, Oh, that's complete bullshit. And because he knows a lot of, he knew a lot about the subject that they were talking. So it doesn't matter that it was physics or maybe it wasn't physics. I don't know, but he knew a lot about the subject they were talking and knew and understood and recognized that it was bullshit. And so that's the same thing about every topic. If you, if you know a ton about a specific topic and they end up being, and it ends up being talked about on CNN or, or any news or any type of, you know, sort of uh, outlet like that, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And so this is just another one of those examples. The last story, unless you have anything else, the last story I want to cover is um, how SARS-CoV-2 in American deer could alter the course of the global pandemic. Now, this not a, is not a story from the onion. It should be, but it's not. No, it should be in the onion or Babylon Bee, but this is NPR. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so let me... Uh, share my screen and show some of this again nonsense scientists have evidence that SARS-CoV-2 spreads explosively like not just uh, not just oh uh, somewhat you know uh, you know explosively in white-tailed deer and that the virus is widespread in this deer population across the United States holy cow this is super scary uh, research, researchers say the findings are quite concerning and could have vast implications for the long-term course of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the coronavirus. I mean, was it like wasn't it? Was it wasn't it in like was it wasn't it in like the rainwater before? I think we wasn't there a story. Well, <laughs> I think they. Yeah, I mean the the uh, president of Tanzania he tested a pawpaw and a, and a goat and uh, a papaya or something. Yeah. And like, and again, and and now I can say, and now he's dead because, um, yeah, right. Well, so Stefan Lanka, and I can say we because uh, he he has insisted that we call it we because of, you know, we've provided some some of the funding for his research, um, has literally proven that the steps that they take to quote unquote isolate the virus has, um, the steps that they take literally creates the particle that they can then map to the genome of the coronavirus. So he has taken the same steps that they, they've taken, except without a sample from a sick person, which proves that the steps that they take to isolate the virus literally creates the particle that they call the virus. So again, with that backdrop, with the, with the backdrop of knowing that it doesn't exist, that viruses in general don't exist. We can read this article and if, try to make some sense as to why they would say it's spreading in the deer population. Could it be because they want to do something with hunting and with, uh, you know, oh, well, we can't hunt deer, we can't, um, you know, that's, that's a way that a lot of people, uh, you know, that's a, a food source for a lot of people. Uh, especially a lot of uh, sort of independent people, people who are more uh, or less reliant on the system and supply chains and those types of things. And could it be that they are um, they are sort of 
setting some sort of trap or making it uh, more difficult for people like that to live and survive, maybe. I don't know, but it could be something that they're doing. And so this whole narrative that it's spreading in deer obviously is nonsense. Um, and so, you know, it's just another thing that they're, a, a ridiculous thing that they're trying to put forward on people to see if they're going to buy it, buy it and bite and see if they're going to do something about it and, you know, change their lives or not be able to feed themselves. Because again, this is a food source for a lot of people. And so, you know, what are they setting up there? It's, uh, you know, obviously we have some speculations, but I think it's more than just saying that, um, you know, be scared of deer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the narrative, I don't even know how you like, it's hard to stay with the narrative and be insane, I guess, which is maybe the point. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just more comical every day. Mm-hmm. Like every day, yeah. it's, it's, it's more comical. Um, I think for those of us, you know, who have seen through this for a long time, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's like that, you know, you know, when you, when you hear somebody say something, and they they're missing the logic of what they're saying to the point that it's funny, but you'd be a, you'd feel like a dick if you pointed it out to them. So you just kind of sit there and look at them as they think it through until they, you know, until they realize like, oh, I missed the thing that, you know, made the whole point. I missed the whole point in my statement. And it's, you know, the, as a result of that, it's a funny statement. Right. Because I'm I'm I was so stupid in that moment that I said something that was lacking logical or lacking logic to such a degree that when I say it, you know, you get that inquisitive look on your face. Like, do you hear what you're saying? You want to think that through before you, you know, before you uh, let that sentence finish. I mean, we're, and so for those of us on this side of things, right. It's kind of like that, you know, it's like, it's like you look, you hear the story about, you know, Bambi now is, is full of SARS cov too. And, and, you know, you got to like, look at people and be like, you know, our, Hey, 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 the guy over there that believes in this, did you see that? That is this still, are we still rocking with this? <laughs> is this still like, are we, are we still playing along here, guys? Because it's, it's getting pretty comical. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, watch out for Bambi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this person, Ruth in South Africa, says, yes, we are also familiar with third force activity. And we recognize that scarcity is done to make us want the shots. Yeah, I mean, scarcity is one thing, but also shame, insults, uh, you know, um, uh, ostracism from the group. There's a lot of things um, to that they, a lot of tactics, and we've gone over them, uh, <laughs> you know, some of them as um, some of the tactics that they're using, some of the persuasion game that they're using in this. And, you know, this is another one, you know, stuff like this in, in the, uh, in the deer population, like it's just nuts. It's just absolutely crazy. And people are still falling for it. And it's like, you really have to have made that decision. And at this point, it's like, how could you even, you know, it's so ridiculous that to, come out of that and admit or see that you were wrong is, is going to be very difficult for a lot of people. You know, they've had their egos invested into that narrative for a long, long time. And it's, 
it's so ridiculous, so absurd that for them to then go out and admit that they were, they've been duped by this is that's a lot for people to handle. And so, uh, you know, I say that to say, you know, don't hold your breath on people coming out of this and, and sort of seeing the light because in many cases, in probably in most cases, people would rather attack you for saying stuff that would harm their ego, their self, because they have bought into this narrative's hook, line, and sinker and invested their entire ego and self-worth in that. Like, you know, think about this, this, these weak beta males who now have, you know, walk around with virtue because they're, <laughs> they're walking around with a mask on and, and saving people and protecting people. And it's like, that's their, that's their uh, way of being, you know, being a, a good guy these days is to, you know, walk around with a mask on to show how safe and protected, you know, protecting of other people they are. And it's just complete nonsense. So, you know, don't, don't hold your breath for people waking up at this point. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you brought that up, you know, men, because, there's, there's sort of, well, two points I want to make. Um, I'll start with the other one. So, um, you know, we do this show and do, so we, we sometimes on this show or often on the show, we talk about current events, right? We talk about the narratives. We talk about uh, what's taking place. You know, we talk about, we give our thoughts on, you know, the angles and what could be happening and, and, and what could come and, and these sorts of things. Um, we do that for a reason, right? We do that because we're trying to contribute a little bit of value, um, put some chinks in the armor, sort of give people an, an alternative perspective, etc. Outside of this show, and maybe a random conversation that comes up from time to time, because it's the topic of the day, so to speak, you know, I don't, I don't spend one second of my life, like thinking about any of this stuff, you know, uh, Asher usually is the one that comes up with the theme for the day. I hop on the call. And he tells me what we're going to talk about. And we talk for an hour um, and, and, I, and I enjoy it. But outside of that, you know, my advice to anyone would be to if you understand this stuff already, there's no reason really for you to be paying attention or or um, certainly having any real investment in in what is happening and what's taking place. Um, the other day my friends came and, and sort of surprised me. I had a birthday recently and they took me out on the river rafting and we spent a few, a half a day or something, you know, rafting on the river and we're in the water and we're being, you know, it's athletic because there's some rapids and things like that. And you're surrounded by water and mountains and sun and you're in nature. You can't do things like that and not feel fantastic. Um, you know, you can't, you can't. And so, what should people be doing during this time? It's not paying attention to the narrative, right? Me and Asher do that a little bit on the show to hopefully help people, but it's not, it's not paying attention to the narrative. It's, it's paying attention to your life, your activities and, and, and being tight with God. And it's like a lot of times, you know, you find God in nature and like people can find God in, in lots of things and that's great. And whatever practice, you know, you're into is fantastic. Um, but, you know, connecting with the natural world, with God, with, you know, with the natural world um, and focusing on you and your and your goals and your life is where it's at. Um, the rest of it is is there to distract you. Um, and so, you know, I just want to point that out, too. And then the other, you know, you brought up the men piece and that that's I was thinking about that, you know, maybe half an hour ago when you were talking. And it's just 
we've talked about it in a number of times, but it's just so crucial because the men are the protectors. You know, we are the protectors of the women and the children of the society, essentially. And they're threatening our lives. Like they're threatening our children and our, our families and our wives and our loved ones. You know, um, we all have loved ones, right. Who have made medical decisions that we disagree with that we think is damaging. Um, now that's their choice. It's not ours, but, but we're, we're being threatened, right. Our kingdom, our domain, our, what the, 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 our, the people we're uh, responsible for are, are under attack are being threatened. And so as a man, like, where is your, where's the fight? You know, where's the, like, not like, like hot, like, no, I'm here, you know, I'm here. So that shit ain't happening. And, 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 and that's all you can control. And that of course is your little domain. But if all the men are doing that, or if a decent chunk of the men are doing that, well, all of a sudden that's the whole region or that's the whole country or that's the whole world. And, you know, and it is, it's our responsibility. Like it's our responsibility as men. If when, when our, when our families and our children and our loved ones and our communities are under attack, it's our responsibilities to defend them and to see just the lack of, of masculine, just standing up and saying, no, is just, is, is the reason we're in this state. And it's very disappointing. Yeah, right. It, it definitely is. And, um, you know, we, we should, we should go into, into more, uh, in depth, on on that and sort of the, the fall of man uh, you know the feminization of men um you know but also um yeah there's, there's just a lot to that um a lot to unpack there because there's been a uh i don't know multi-decade long war on men and masculinity and so you know it's 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 <laughs> they've been very successful in that in uh, sort of training that out of men. Uh, and, um, you know, and here we are. So uh, their plan has worked in a lot of ways, but I do think that uh, there's going to be a resurgence in masculinity. There needs to be. I see it happening in, in some circles and um, those are the circles that are gonna be the ones to survive this. And um, I, think, I think we as men need to embrace that and regardless of what society or the people around us say, like, that's just what we have to do. And that's part of what being a man is. So, um, so yeah, uh, we should go. And then, and, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, of course the, the woman then has to accept that, right. You can't, you can't give protection to people who don't want it. Um, so that is, you know, that is a piece of it also, but, but yes, uh, you know, it's, it's our natural state. That's the other thing too. You know, when you're, when, as a man, I mean, I, you know, you've raised boys, I'm raising boys as well. Like, you know, you see the little boys, they understand war from birth. Like they understand war. They're basically practicing war from my, my, so I have, I have a four, four year old son and who, you know, he, he goes through his, his things and he's, uh, you know, he, he, gets upset every once in a while and he was upset at my wife uh the other day and my uh what is he 20 month old other son like literally parks himself in between 
the four-year-old and my wife, because the four-year-old is, you know, he's going after my wife and he, you know, and so my 20 month old son like stands in front of her and be like, no, you gotta, you gotta go through me. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be mean to mommy and like, it's nobody told him to do that. Like, Hey, Isaac, go, go protect mommy. Like, no, he just does it. He's, he's there. And he's like, you're going to have to go through me. And he's, you know, he's, 20 months old he's, it's very cute but it's like it's it's an in it's ingrained in us as men and like it, it's it's instinctual it's prim, primordial it's 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 everything that we know and our instincts and our you know protect like it was he's like no you got to go through me and um yeah it, it's funny but it's also you know it's it, it shows it shows our nature it, show, it shows who we are uh, yeah, I mean, my, 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 um, male, my son, who's about to be three, literally does the same thing. Um, but he's protecting both his sister and his mother from me. So like, if I, like I play with them, you know, I'll, I'll mess with my wife or I'll mess yeah. with my sister. He'll come running literally yeah. full sprint screaming, daddy, stop. Oh, and he comes yeah. and he'll hit me. He'll come fists up wham wham you know he's naked he's two and a half years old you know um and he's been doing this he's been doing this forever so yeah you're absolutely right and i also have raised a daughter right so i've seen that she's 13 i've seen the difference it is it is dramatic i mean think about it, you know any men who are listening like think about when you were young before they trained that out of you you know when you were 8 10 12 years old when you saw something happen that you knew was wrong you went and did something about it immediately it was instinct just on a gut level you're like that's wrong i'm gonna stop it right we all had that we all had that and then somewhere along the line we were told oh no you know you call the police oh no this is happening for this reason it's none of your business you know whatever whatever like whatever the training was you know and so we sort of accept over time oh we're not the protectors you know we're not we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna quelch that in that instinct we're gonna squash that instinct and we're going to participate in this feminized world. And as a result, the cabal, you know, government is very happy to step in and take that role over, um, you know, take take that masculine role over of of the protector and the provider. Right. <laughs> of the family. And the case they're making to women is that you don't need a man. You know, you can get your own money. You can work. We'll protect you. You can get your own money. You know, you can raise kids on your own, uh, you know, do whatever. And you don't need a man. And so, you know, and so, okay, fine. But then who's going to protect you now? The state. Okay. Well, now you're, you know, well, welcome to your fourth booster shot. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with, with me and my wife, if I'm, you know, playing around with her or something like that. Like, yeah, my son comes in and he's, he's ready to scrap. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So think that's all i have for today i gotta get going and do some other stuff but um but yeah good conversation today uh please like share and subscribe this one will probably be taken down so please find it over on our alternative channels join uh rumble that's going to be hopefully our home sometime soon in the near future we'll be live streaming over there uh subscribe to the backup channel too because this one is probably not going to be here for too much longer they're 
I'm sure they're yeah that that backup that backup channel if you guys just search on YouTube you know awake it's the same name awakening consciousness with there's only maybe 30 or 40 subscribers or something we end up on that channel a lot because we get kicked off yeah. of this channel so if you're subscribed to one you really should see subscribe to the other hit the bell we go live on YouTube still as Asher said yeah. at some point we'll switch over to to rumble but um you know we appreciate you guys tuning in yeah yeah uh so yeah um and yeah hitting the bell is very important because we we try to do you know some, a somewhat regular time but uh the bell will let you know when we are live so that's i think or i hope that's the best way to enjoy the show is to get you know join the conversation because that's really what this is about um, we want to have a community of like-minded people that uh you know come together and discuss things and hopefully end up supporting each other and all that stuff so seen it done in other places and trying to build that here so again thank you very much and have a good rest of your day